Well, let's make a start. I am going to start by praying and then we are going to hear our first two readings before we respond by uh, taking communion. So, Father, I thank you for the opportunity to be able to gather together to remember, reflect on and appropriately celebrate the death of uh, Jesus. And uh, we we want to gather together to remember uh, what Jesus did for us and why that is good news. We thank you, Father, that for those of us who have put our trust in Jesus and have made him Lord in our lives, that we have been reconciled because of the death of Jesus. And Father, I pray that as we hear from the scriptures being read this morning and as we respond in worship and in communion and in prayer, I pray that you would help us to encounter you, to meet with Jesus afresh this morning. We pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so what we are going to have first of all is uh, Micah and uh, Zach are going to be doing a reading from Mark 14 verses 32 to 52. So let's listen to the word of God read together. They went to a place called Gethsemane and Jesus said to the disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James and John along with him and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here and keep watch. Going a little further, he fell to the ground and prayed that, if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Then he returned to the disciples and found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Couldn't you keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Once more, he went away and prayed the same thing. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. They did not know what to say to him. Returning the third time, he said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Enough, the hour has come. Look, the Son of Man is delivered to the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Just as he was speaking, Judas from the twelve appeared. With him was a crowd armed with swords and clubs sent from the chief priest, the teachers of the law and the elders. Now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the man. Arrest him and lead him away under guard. Going at once to Jesus, Judas said, Rabbi, and kissed him. The men seized Jesus and arrested him. Then one of those standing there drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Am I leading a rebellion, said Jesus, that you have come out with swords and clubs to capture me? Every day I was with you, teaching in the temple courts, and you did not arrest me. But the scriptures must be fulfilled. Then everyone deserted him and fled. A young man wearing nothing but a linen garment was following Jesus. When they seized him, he fled naked, leaving his garment behind. 
Well, thank you very much, Micah and uh, and Zach. Very, very well read. What a uh, what a moving passage when we think that Jesus goes into the garden, is aware of what is about to happen in the next day or two, and he prays. He prays momentarily for an alternative. He prays, Father, if there is any other way, please take this cup away from me. But yet not my will, but yours. And we are now going to respond by taking a very different kind of cup because the cup that Jesus was given to drink was a cup of cursing, was a cup that we deserve to drink, the cup of punishment for sins. But because Jesus took that cup, we get to drink the cup of blessing, which is what Paul calls the, the cup that we drink when we take communion. So we're going to take communion together now. And the way we're going to do that is to do that all together. I'm going to introduce taking the bread and we're all going to take the bread together. I'm going to introduce drinking the wine and we're all going to take drink the wine together to do that as one body. And then we're going to respond by singing, oh, come to the altar. So let's take the bread. Let's break the bread and Let's remember Jesus's body that was broken for us, for the forgiveness of our sins. And let's take this and remember that together. We thank you, Jesus, for your body broken for us. We thank you for the pain that you endured for our sake so that we could be forgiven. And we want to remember that right now. We also want to remember the blood that was shed for us. We want to remember the blood of the new covenant that as you bled for us, uh, we go from deserving to drink the cup of wrath, the cup of cursing, to being able to drink the cup of blessing. And so, Father, I pray as we take this cup together and as we drink it, would you remind us of the sacrifice of Jesus for us? Thank you, Jesus. What an amazing truth that forgiveness has been bought by Jesus's blood. We're going to hear our next reading now. And uh, Tanya is going to be reading from Mark 14, verses 53 to 72. They took Jesus to the high priest and all the chief priests, the elders and the teachers of the law came together. Peter followed him at a distance, right into the courtyard of the high priest. There he sat with the guards and warmed himself by the fire. The chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for evidence against Jesus so that they could put him to death, but they did not find any. Many testified falsely against him, but their statements did not agree. Then some stood up and gave this false testimony against him. We heard him say, I will destroy this temple made with human hands and in three days will build another not made with hands. Yet even then their testimony did not agree. Then the high priest stood up before them and asked Jesus, Are you not going to answer? What is this testimony that these men are bringing against you? But Jesus remained silent and gave no answer. Again the high priest asked him, Are you the Messiah, the Son of the Blessed One? I am, said Jesus, and you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. The high priest tore his clothes. Why do we need any more witnesses, he asked. You have heard the blasphemy. What do you think? They all condemned him as worthy of death. Then some began to spit at him. They blindfolded him, struck him with their fists and said, Prophesy. And the guards took him and beat him. 
While Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came by. When she saw Peter warming himself, she looked closely at him. You also are with that Nazarene Jesus, she said, but he denied it. I don't know or understand what you're talking about, he said, and went out into the entryway. When the servant girl saw him there, she said again to those standing around, This fellow is one of them. Again he denied it. After a little while, those standing near said to Peter, Surely you are one of them, for you are a Galilean. He began to call down curses and he swore to them, I don't know this man you're talking about. Immediately the rooster crowed the second time. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows twice, you will disown me three times. And he broke down and wept. Jesus's amazing mercy to those who falsely accused him and purchasing their forgiveness and even purchasing the forgiveness of those who denied him at his most desperate hour. Let's respond by remembering the mercy of God. Father, we pray that we would never lose the wonder of your mercy, that that would never be something that we become blasé or used to, but that your amazing mercy in the cross would impact us afresh every day. Lord Jesus, we pray that that would be the case in our lives. Amen. Well, we're going to now hear our next reading from uh, Ian Harding, who's going to be reading from Mark chapter 15, verses 1 to 20. Very early in the morning, the chief priests with the elders, the teachers of the law, and the whole Sanhedrin reached a decision. They bound Jesus, led him away, and turned him over to Pilate. Are you the king of the Jews? asked Pilate. Yes, it is as you say, Jesus replied. The chief priests accused him of many things, so again Pilate asked him, Aren't you going to answer? See how many things they're accusing you of. But Jesus still made no reply, and Pilate was amazed. Now it was the custom at the feast to release a prisoner whom the people requested. A man called Barabbas was in prison with the insurrectionist who had committed murder in the uprising. The crowd came up and asked Pilate to do for them what he usually did. Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? asked Pilate knowing it was out of envy that the chief priests had handed Jesus over to him. But the chief priests stirred up the crowd to have Pilate release Barabbas instead. What shall I do then with the one you call the king of the Jews? Pilate asked. Crucify him, they shouted. Why? What crime has he committed? asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder, Crucify him! Wanting to satisfy the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them. He had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. The soldiers led Jesus away into the palace, that is the praetorium, and called together the whole company of soldiers. They put a purple robe on him, then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on him. And they began to call out to him, Hail, King of the Jews! Again and again they struck him on the head with a staff and spat on him. Falling on their knees, they paid homage to him. And when they'd mocked him, they took off the purple robe and put his own clothes on him. Then they led him out to crucify him. Well, we're going to respond in prayer now. And um, as we've heard already so much 
Uh, well, awesome, weighty, wonderful words read already. We're going to now respond by praying for us and for others. And uh, I'm going to hand over to Nathaniel, who's going to lead us in, as we respond in prayer. Thank you. Uh, so, yeah, we're now going to move into a time of prayer. And this morning, we really want to pray that God would just make us uh, more deeply aware of the wonderful sacrifice of Jesus Christ. You know, we want to pray for a deeper understanding of the amazing victory that, that Christ has won and that actually would really just stir our hearts in, in praise and thankfulness. Um, but we also want to pray the same thing for others and particularly for those, you know, who don't know Jesus yet and actually that they could come to know this um, incredible truth and to know Jesus personally too. Yeah, Lord Jesus, we thank you for the sacrifice and the price that you've paid for us. We pray that you'd continue to, to give us a deeper understanding of the victory that you have won and just continue to, to stir our hearts, Lord. Jesus, we pray for those that don't know you yet, Lord, um, that they could know the price that you have paid for them out of love uh, so that they could be forgiven and brought into relationship with you. Amen. 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 Thank you for leading us in that, Nathaniel. We're now going to have our, our next uh, couple of readings. We're going to have uh, Wally, who's going to be reading uh, Mark 15, 21 to 32. And immediately after, uh, Abby Weston is going to read Mark 15, 33 to 41. A certain man of Cyrene, Simon, the father of Alexander and Rufus, was passing by on his way in from the country, and they forced him to carry the cross. They brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. There they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. And they crucified him, dividing up his clothes, they cast lots to see what each will get. It was nine in the morning when they crucified him. The written notice of the charge against him read, The King of the Jews. They crucified two rebels with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by all insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, So you will are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, come down from the cross and save yourself. In the same way, the chief priest and the teachers of the law mocked him among themselves. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. Let this Messiah, the King of Israel, come down now from the cross that they may see and believe. Those crucified with him also heaped insults on him. At noon, darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. Then at that time, Jesus called out with a loud voice, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of the bystanders misunderstood and thought he was calling for the prophet Elijah. One of them ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, holding it up to him on a stick so he could drink. Leave him alone. Let's see whether Elijah will come and take him down, he said. Then Jesus uttered another loud cry and breathed his last. And the curtain in the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. When the Roman officer who stood facing him saw how he had died, he exclaimed, Truly, this was the Son of God. Some women were there watching from a distance, including Mary Madeline, Mary and Salome. They had been followers of Jesus and cared for him while he was in Galilee. Then they and many other women had come with him to Jerusalem. Wow, what a 
What a story. What a passage. We're going to take a moment to reflect by uh, doing an activity now. Uh, I asked at the beginning if you were able to have a sheet of paper and, and a pen ready. And for uh, for those of you who would find this helpful to engage with, we're going to just reflect for a minute. And the way we're going to do that is in uh, in the verses that we just read, there was a reference to the fact that when Jesus died, the curtain in the temple was torn in two. And uh, those of you who were around last Sunday, you'll remember Daniel Goodman explained that that curtain in the temple that separated the holy place from the most holy place symbolized the separation between human beings and God. And uh, in a sense, this sheet of paper that you've got, we can kind of think of it almost as, as representing that curtain of thinking of there are things in our lives, in our past uh, that have separated us from Jesus. So maybe you want to take a pen and you don't have to, you don't have to go into to detail necessarily, but to write down things that you think these are things that could separate me, um, that could potentially separate me from, from God. So I might, I might write uh, sin down, for example. I think, well, sin is, is something that can, that can mark a separation between us and God. I might think, okay, well, I, why don't I write death down? Because death surely is the kind of thing that can that can separate us from God, isn't it? Or maybe, maybe Satan. That might be something else that might separate us from, from God, a bit like this curtain that separates humanity from God. Maybe thinking a little bit more personally, it could be pride. It could be wanting to live for my own glory rather than the glory of God. Maybe that's another thing that could separate me from, from God, a bit like this curtain. I don't know what other things you might be writing down on on your paper you might think oh maybe it's maybe covid is the kind of thing that could separate us from from god or or sickness or family situations you might just want to write a few things down but as you've done that and as you're you're writing that down maybe what we can do is take these sheets of paper and remember almost think of them as symbolizing the curtain in the temple and think of all of these things that I've written down. So I've written down sin and death and Satan and pride. And you may have written down some other things as well. Maybe what, can we, what we can do is almost a physical activity to remind ourselves of the fact that because of the death of Jesus, if we put our trust in Jesus, none of these things can actually separate us from the love of God. There's wonderful verses at the end of Romans 8 where Paul lists every conceivable thing that could potentially separate us from the love of God. He thinks death, life, angels, rulers, things present, things to come, past, height, depths, all powers. And he says, no, nothing can separate us from the love of God. And maybe we want to lift up this sheet of paper and just take a moment to rip it together and reflect on that moment where Jesus dies. Being a moment where that curtain was torn in half from top to bottom and that separation that had been there between God's presence and human beings was split as Jesus died. And we can remember that amazing, amazing truth that nothing in Christ can separate us from the love of God because Jesus has taken all of those things on himself and has defeated them in his death and in his resurrection. Let's uh, hear our final reading for today now by uh, Garrett, who is going to read uh, Mark 15, verses 42 to 47. It was preparation day, that is, the day before the Sabbath. So as evening approached, 
Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent member of the council who was himself waiting for the kingdom of God, went boldly to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Pilate was surprised to hear that he was already dead. So summoning the centurion, he asked him if Jesus had already died. And when he learned from the centurion that it was so, he gave the body to Joseph. So Joseph bought some linen cloth, took down the body, wrapped it in the linen, and placed it in a tomb cut out of rock. Then he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. And Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where he was laid. Perspective is a a really important thing when it comes to looking at things. You can see the same thing from different perspectives and the way you look at it can make a difference to the way that you understand it. And everything that we've just read, if we looked and thought of that from the perspective only of human beings who were looking at the cross or of Jesus's friends and family who were burying him, we might get the perspective that what just happened was a great tragedy. Another moment where the Romans who were the empire in charge at the time had basically defeated uh, defeated someone else it said we win you lose it might be another moment where we uh, where we where we look at this story and we think well I'm sure jesus was a, a nice man but clearly gravely mistaken and uh there's a wonderful passage in revelation 5 that is part of the song that we're going to sing in a minute to to respond altogether which gives us a different perspective which gives us heaven's perspective on the cross because Earth's perspective on the cross was to look at it and think, yep, that's another example of the moment where the Roman Empire wins as they always do. They always win. They end up crucifying anyone who uh, they find annoying. They've won. But from heaven's perspective, when you read Revelation 5, you get the perspective of heaven on the death of Jesus. And it's interpreted by heaven as such a radical amazing wonderful victory that heaven actually adds a new song to its chorus book you can read in revelation 5 it says that heaven sings a new song when they see the lamb that has been slain and so as we've heard all of these readings we must remember we read the story of jesus's death from the perspective of easter we read it from the perspective of knowing how the story ends and it's important that we read it like that because otherwise it could just seem like a defeat But actually, we can read this story and see it from heaven's point of view and remember that this was quite simply the greatest victory over evil that has ever taken place in the whole of history. Let's remember heaven looked at the cross and rejoiced and celebrated because they saw a wonderful victory. We can look at the cross and reverently and appropriately, we can rejoice and celebrate because it was quite simply the greatest victory ever. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sung a new song saying, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain. And by your blood, you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Father, we thank you that it truly is Good Friday. 
Lord, it's it's not nice Friday. It's not convenient Friday, but it is good Friday. We thank you that the one of the most atrocious, uh, well, the the most atrocious sin ever committed, the murder of the Son of God in your sovereign plan was the moment where the greatest victory was won. It was the moment where heaven sprung into applause and added a new song to their chorus book because they said, this is so wonderful that the Lamb has redeemed people from every nation. And Father, I thank you that we are here today because you have done that for us. We're here today because Jesus died for our sins. And Father, I pray that as we go throughout the rest of this weekend, as we uh, remember the, the death of Jesus over today, as we reflect on the fact that Jesus descended to, to the dead, Jesus was buried. As we reflect on that over today and tomorrow, and as we celebrate his resurrection on Easter Sunday, I pray you would help us to remember that you have won the victory, that we have been reconciled to you, that everything that separated us from you has been torn up because Jesus has won the victory. And so, Father, we thank you for your wonderful gospel, and I pray that we would live lives that are filled with reflection, filled with joy uh, and power because of the gospel. We pray for this in Jesus', Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Well, what a wonderful time of reading, worshipping, reflecting together as we uh, just listen again to the powerful story of Easter and we all know that it, the story doesn't end there. We all know that the other side of the tomb, there is resurrection. And I'm looking forward to being able to celebrate together on Sunday as we remember the the, the victory being sealed in the moment of the resurrection. But um, it's been a wonderful opportunity to be able to gather and reflect and uh, remember our amazing saviour this morning. So may God bless you and uh, see you all very, very soon.